Welcome back to the Emergency Goalies Podcast. Not the best of weeks for the Blackhawks. Uh, We said it would be a make-or-break week for the Blackhawks, and it appears it was a break week. So I will go to you, Michael, and uh, recap of the three games this week. Yeah, it's over. It's all over, unfortunately. Although this past week did get off to a pretty decent start. Um, Can't really complain about what happened in Calgary on Saturday night. The Blackhawks put up an eight spot. You know, they were coming off of uh, three straight, well, technically five straight losses, although the first two of those were overtime losses, so they at least came away with points. But three straight losses against teams that they're in direct competition against, come back against Calgary on the road, and, you know, the the Blackhawks offense came to play anyway. It was... You know, just right from the beginning, they were getting opportunities and they were burying them. Uh, Jonathan Taves got the scoring going just 30 seconds into the game. Uh, And it was a little back and forth in the first period where Sam Bennett scored a couple of times. Um, So it was was 1-0, then Bennett scored, then Kubelik scored uh, off of a nice assist from, from Taves and Kane. Uh, Bennett came back and scored again. And then in the second period, the Hawks came out and they didn't they didn't generate a ton of shots in the second period, but basically everything that they got was pretty high quality and the guys just buried every single one of them. Brandon Saad got his 18th. Again, Kane got an assist on it. Gustafson also... Uh, Played a big role in that one. Then Alex Nylander made a nice uh, solo play, basically uh, stealing a puck in the offensive zone and depositing it uh, behind uh, Riddick and got Riddick uh, run from the game. So, you know, that's always a good sign when you can get the opposing goaltender out of the game. It did seem to spark Calgary a little bit as Elias Lindholm, uh, who also had a good game for Calgary. Um, he scored his 26th to cut the Hawks' lead to, to one goal. But finally, Alex Dabrinkit broke his uh, scoring slump with a goal. Uh, it was nice to see Dylan Strom give him a, a really beautiful pass uh, to set him up. Strom still wasn't great in this game. That was really his only flash. But it was just nice to see him kind of get back on track a little bit, at least with the vision that we're used to seeing from him and in, in the setup ability. And then Alex Nylander um, managed to get his second goal of the game and the period. Uh, nice snapshot from him. Uh Played pretty well in the entire game, really. Uh, he even, in the third period, would get a little bit of an opportunity up on the, the second or third line after playing on the fourth line for most of the game. So, you know, that was his eighth goal. Third period, Lindholm scored, again, to kind of bring the score a little closer, keep Calgary in it at 6-4. to four. But Patrick Kane and Kirby Dock would score... So the, the Hawks scored at least two goals in each period. 
eight in total. And even though, uh, you know, it wasn't the greatest effort from Robin Leonard, he was he was solid in this game. And, you know, the Hawks were pretty decent on the penalty kill. They just, they, they did most things right. So, you know, you, you, you score eight goals, you're not going to complain too much about a game. So, you know, they there was gave themselves a little bit of a little bit of hope, a little breath of uh, life, maybe. Well, after all the offensive woes they've been having lately, I mean, even the the Vancouver game, they played well, but they couldn't get a goal. They couldn't. But yeah, yeah. But you know, you're thinking, well, this is a game they got a lot of guys scoring, some lower, you know, guys in the yep. bottom lines. You thought, well, maybe this is something, but. Obviously, it it didn't last. Right. Yeah, I mean, they had only had five goals in the previous three games, and they were coming off that shutout in Vancouver, even though they played really well in that game. But, you know, Markstrom stole that game. And But, hey, you know, you know so the, they come out Saturday, Calgary. They're rewarded for playing pretty well again. But then they had the really difficult turnaround less than 24 hours later because it was a – Saturday, a late Saturday start, and then they had to travel from Calgary to Winnipeg, got in at like 3 o'clock in the morning, and then had to play um, kind of an early evening game in Winnipeg on Sunday night. And Blackhawks came out pretty strong in this game. Um They hung in this game. It wasn't it wasn't uh, a terrible effort or anything. And they, they Carpenter scored uh, late in the first period uh, on a deflection on a centering pass from Patrick Kane. Uh, you know, just his third goal of the year. Uh, it's kind of unfortunate that he's kind of playing the second line center role on Patrick Kane's line, but I think that's kind of indicative of how this season kind of is going. Uh, but Hawks couldn't, you know, just how many times have we seen this where the Hawks get up one to nothing in a game or two nothing in a game and they just, they, they can't hold that lead. Uh, Winnipeg came back with a couple of goals in the second period. Both of them were on deflections, um, kind of in the slot. All three of their goals eventually would, would come kind of in that method where they were either getting a deflection in front, or they had heavy traffic in front of in front of Corey Crawford. Crawford played pretty well in the game, but gave up those those couple of redirects in the second period. Patrick Kane scored late in the second to tie it back up at two. And you thought, oh well, maybe you know they they'll they'll stay in this and maybe pull one out. But third period. Uh, you could just kind of tell that their legs were going out on them. It didn't seem to be a lack of effort in this game, but I think the the back-to-back, even though they've played real well in those situations throughout the, the year, this one I felt like it was just the, the turnaround was just too tough for them, and their legs just seemed to kind of die on them a little bit, and Winnipeg managed to take advantage, scored early in the third period, and they were able to withstand, you know, the the Hawks' late push. But yeah, tough tough loss. Um, I don't know 
what really there is to say about this game. I, I, like I said, it didn't feel like a poor effort or anything. Just one of those games that you lose sometimes. But given the situation and the fact that the Hawks had no room for error, they, they really needed to pull both of these games out. and They couldn't do it, and that pretty much sealed up their playoff fate um there's really was going to be no coming back from that and you know then they just put the nail in the coffin a few days yeah, as you said it's kind of one of those things that most doubt had been removed but uh this game on wednesday uh yeah that was like uh surrender song yeah and you know whatever the playoff chances were going into that game however slim they were Ugh, it was you hate to see a team go out with a whimper but uh, that's exactly what happened the Rangers came out and played really well in the first period the Blackhawks withstood it um, I, I feel like everybody had was kind of coming out and saying that oh man that the Rangers dominated the first period I I don't agree with that I thought the Blackhawks showed quite a bit of pushback in the game there were a few shifts where the the Rangers penned them in, but, you know, nothing nothing obscene. Uh, but the Rangers were able to get up one to nothing. And it, it, it did feel like the Blackhawks maybe escaped in a situation where they, they stayed within striking distance. And then the Hawks came out, and I thought they played a really strong second period. Uh, again, there were a couple of shifts where the Rangers got the better of them, but... Blackhawks fired a lot of shots, got a lot of pressure in the second period. Um, unfortunately, they were only able to get one goal, so they did tie it back up. But you kind of felt like this was their their big push in the game, and they couldn't that you know they couldn't get beyond that you know tying it up. They could they couldn't grab the lead, and then the Rangers came out in the third period and responded, and the Blackhawks just crumbled uh the defense uh, there was blown assignments robin leonard was frankly terrible in this game um i'd say three of the eventual six goals were soft yeah which is never great the first the first Uh, goal to start the game was yeah he had to stop that one yeah and you know there were a couple of other goals i thought you know when he's on his game he stops those but then you know, the other half of the six goals were just complete breakdowns in coverage, um, poor effort, poor communication, and Leonard was just kind of hung out to dry on them. Uh, and just it, very disheartening performance where, you know, you go into that period tied, you've got 20 minutes to save whatever playoff hopes he might still be clinging to and you know to give up five goals in that manner was just it was embarrassing and yeah that was the you know we've been talking about the final nail in the coffin this is it um you know they got a couple of games this weekend you know before i i hand it over to you to that but you know we're, we're we've kind of reached the trade deadline point and at this point Bowman's got to be on the phone, looking to sell off whatever he can. 
you know, especially of the pending free agents, and at least listen on other guys. I, I don't, I don't think that there's a huge need to. You know, you don't, you're not motivated to to move Brandon Sod or a couple of these guys that have you know an extra year or two on their deal. But I think they have to be at least willing to listen on it, um, and just just try and get some assets back um, and retool this squad. Because you know, I know they added a couple of pieces this year. Um, compared to last year, but it's still more or less the same group, um, especially since a few of the pieces that they added ended up getting hurt. <laughs> and so you, you pretty much remained with the same mix, and it this it's just not working. Something is inherently wrong. Uh, obviously, the defense remains an issue. I, I'd say the biggest thing to me is they don't have any first-pairing defensemen. Uh, Duncan Keith, not what he once was. You know, he's he's probably a number three at this point. Connor Murphy's kind of a three or four. Hmm. Ole Mott is a third pairing guy. Slater Cuckoo is at best a third pairing guy, probably more better suited for a seventh. Adam Boquist isn't ready to be in the NHL, but he's kind of the best they have. Gustafson occasionally plays like a second pairing guy, but usually he's more of a, a third pairing guy. <laughs> And you just it's it's difficult to win consistently in the NHL when you don't have a set of defensemen that can go up against the opposing team's best and short circuit some of their um, prime scoring chances and, and move the puck up and you know that was always the big thing with the Blackhawks in those in their cup years was Keith and Jalmerson were like surgeons at their own blue line. They they would get good back pressure from the forwards where they would limit the the opposing team's options moving towards the Blackhawks zone and then Keith and Jalmerson would step up and just eliminate whatever space those guys still had and were able to separate them from the puck and there was just so many and they could, they're very good at getting it forward once they separated. They were right, the best in the know, league at moving it. It was like in a flash right. it was forward at the other team's yeah. end. You know, all of these possessions where you see the opposing team just gain access to the Blackhawks' blue line with ease, and then they either get a, a, a scoring chance off of the rush or they end up maintaining possession for 30 seconds or more and get a, you know, a chance off of that and... That was stuff that just, you know, there were so many times where Keith and Jalmerson were able to, and Seabrook even, at you know, earlier in his career. They stopped those possessions before the other team even got into the zone a lot of times. Or, at the very least, they cut off so much of the uh, options for the, the opposing team that they, they forced the other team to dump it. And, you know... You just you rarely see that anymore from the Blackhawks. You just they they give up the blue line so easy, and yeah, it's just kind of a lack of talent back there, or, or in cases of like Boquist, lack of experience. And until they get that fixed, it's hard to see them maintaining any kind of consistent success. And that and that's kind of been the story for these last you know couple of years is when their guys are kind of going well and they're playing with a little bit of confidence, a little bit of energy, 
they're able to do some of those things and they'll win four or five games or you know five out of six something like that but as soon as something goes wrong or a guy you know gets a little banged up or is a little tired or whatever they can't sustain that level well that yeah that's what i was going to say because i've been thinking about this the past couple of weeks about just like what i was going to say when the, finally the shoe, you know the shoe drops and they're out of the playoffs which we kind of figured you're holding out some hope but you know, it's, you were kind of figuring it was going to happen, but it's yeah. just they're—they're not—they're good enough to stay in the race until this point. They're not like—they're not a lottery team. They're not that bad. They can hang with people sometimes, but it's—you watch these games the last couple of weeks. It's just they get to a point in all these games where they're winning or tied, and you're thinking, well, you know, they're hanging in these games, but when but then they can't yeah, when it. you need that one moment. Like and which when the games are tied up, you need that moment where you get you need a little bit more. It's always the other teams that have that. It's like yeah. the Blackhawks have maxed out to get to this point where they're tied in these games and stuff. That takes all they've got to get to that point, and they just can't sustain it. It's just they just yeah, don't have and, enough. And even when they win, you know how many of their games have gone to overtime. You know they have as many wins as some of these teams that they're competing against, but their actual regulation wins yeah, I believe they, are far below. I believe it's like it 19. Was, yeah, they have 19, and the other teams have right. like 25, 26. So even when they win, they're giving the other team another point, but then on the, oppo- and then on the opposite end of that, when they lose, they typically lose in regulation. So all of these other teams are getting three point. They're they're competing in three point games, and the Blackhawks are competing in two point games, mm-hmm. or they're com- only competing in three point games when it doesn't help them, you know. And that's a huge problem. And that's uh, and again, I think a lot of that goes back to the defense. They just they can't hold up when the other team. They've kind of become the opposite of what the Blackhawks always were. I mean, that was what, that was one of the things during the cup years as well was the Blackhawks could put up, you know, we always talked about the, like the January lulls that they would mm-hmm. have, you know, the Blackhawks were so talented. They could go into a game and put out 90% effort or 80% effort sometimes for the first two and a half periods. And their talent was enough to keep them within one goal or two goals mm-hmm. And then Patrick Kane and a couple of guys would turn it on for five or ten minutes at the end of the game, and they would they would pull a point or two out of those games. Yeah, and now and especially once they got to overtime, they were they were so dominant in overtime in those years. Yeah, and now it's literally the other teams are doing that to them. Yeah, where they can yes. give you know not full effort, and then in the third period they go, oh, we're down a goal or two to the Blackhawks. We'll kick it yeah. into gear, and their defense just crumbles. Yep. Yep, that's that's kind of where we're at, and that was always my big thing. Was people would talk about, oh, you know, this team is going to be as good as long as Kane and Taves are playing at a high level. And my response was always, no, that is not the case. This team is competitive as long as Keith, Jalmerson, and Seabrook are playing at a high level, mm-hmm. and it hasn't been that way for three years, not since the last Cup, and even that last Cup win. Seabrook was crumbling. Well, I shouldn't say crumbling. He was clinging <laughs> um, to basically second pair status at that point. Mm-hmm. He was he was barely holding on, and um, 
and Jalmerson at that point, you know, he's still an effective NHL defenseman when he's healthy, but you could tell by that point, he, you know, he's a guy that took so many big hits, blocked so many mm-hmm. shots that it was starting to erode his game as well. Um, I thought at that point he was just kind of clinging on to first pairing status. Well, they, yeah, yeah. they le- leaned on um, Keith in that final cup run so hard. So hard. And it was amazing. Yes. Like, it, yeah. he definitely deserved the, to win the Conn Smythe that year because Absolutely. it was all him. And, we, yep. and it's, you know, you can't help but think the last years after that, or, or reflection of that, that they leaned yeah, so hard on that, yeah, he's just never yeah. been the same. Yeah, well, and you know, at least in his case, he is the oldest one of that you know of that group, and you know he he was the oldest one and the one that they had leaned on the hardest. So you know, you kind of expect him to to kind of trail off a little bit. And it, to Keith's credit, he's never really fallen off a cliff. Or no, anything. he's still a I good mean, defenseman. Yeah, I mean, I'd say last year he was probably more of like a four. <laughs> Um, I I didn't think he was particularly good last year. Um, but I, I, after like the first week of this season, I thought he got off to a really rough start the first week or, you know, I don't know, five, 10 games or so. But after that point, I thought he's, he's played really well, especially considering, you know, he's having to carry around Adam Boquist and, you know, whoever else on his pairing. Um, but yeah, it's just, you know, he's their best defenseman still, and he really should be playing on a second pairing. <laughs> and that's that's just not a good formula. Yeah, and the other thing that was, that kind of was keeping them above water and, you know, this season, as it went on, or at least in it, was their goaltenders. And, you know, yes. we were talking about it a little bit, but uh, Crawford's been pretty good. Not, like, great, but not he's been pretty good. But Leonard is kind of was playing outstanding and he's just, he's just tailed off. And when that happened, it was kind of like the end for, they needed their goalies to basically be lights out to stay in these games. And it's just, yeah, Leonard was, it seemed like he was maybe running out of steam a little bit in, in January. And then once they hit that break and ever since they come out of the, that two week break for the all-star game and the, and the, the week off, uh, Leonard's been uh, bad, <laughs> I think is really the only way to kind of put it. And, you know, I think we've seen the response to that in that Corey Crawford's kind of become the starter um, over these last two or three weeks. And Yeah, we were talking about that. Was um, it, you know, you know, a field thing or going for the showcasing for the trade deadline? But I, I, it, I think he's just been the better goal. Yeah, it, it, and we were probably – practice was probably not going – much better than the game. So it's probably why he was not been playing as much. Right. And, you know, and I think we see the difference too in that Crawford has played pretty well. Uh, I, I think he's played at a starting goaltender caliber, but that isn't good enough to cover up for this defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, Leonard in those first two or three months was playing at a Vezina caliber. Mm-hmm. And he was covering up for a lot of their mistakes, um, but when the, he when you're not getting that caliber of play, you know, I mean, you look at Crawford; he's been well below 500 um, throughout really the whole season, and 
that's not a reflection of his play. I mean, he's been average to above average pretty much the whole year. And to come away with, you know, I think he's like six or seven games below 500 or something mm-hmm. like that. That just, that speaks to the situation that the Hawks are in. Yeah. So I guess I'll ask since uh, the trade deadline is Monday, we were able to, mm-hmm. we were kind of unsure the last, uh, last episode exactly when it was, but. Yeah, I was thinking it was Sunday, but I, I guess it is Monday. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So um, obviously I would think. Gustafson will be gone. Someone I heard rumors that Vegas was you know asking about him and stuff, but I assume Gustafson will be gone. Probably yeah. one of the goalies. But as you mentioned a little earlier, do you think someone like Assad could be moved? I think it's possible, and but I I, I think it's probably dependent on what happens with Chris Kreider. There are a couple of teams that are very interested in Chris Kreider, who we saw in this Rangers game is playing at the top of his game right now and is going to, you know, he's he's the top rental available on the market. He's a power forward with speed and skill. And Boston and Colorado and a couple of teams that kind of need to fill out their scoring depth are heavily heavily in pursuit of him from what it sounds like. Yeah, that's a reunion there. Boston College guy goes to Boston. Yeah, we'll see. Um, Boston's got a little bit more of an issue fitting him under the cap, mm-hmm. and they don't have quite the prospect pool to deal from, whereas Colorado has both a, a big prospect pool and a huge amount of cap space. But we should add, too, speaking of, Colorado, pretty big need at goaltender, too. So that might be where yes. a Crawford or someone goes. And that's kind of my thinking is, you know, if, if Colorado ends up with Chris Kreider, does that motivate Boston to say, boy, you know, we missed out on that big fish, but... Sod's kind of Chris Kreider light. Uh, I mean, he's not quite the same caliber, but he brings a lot of the same elements. And, you know, Boston, you know, I wonder if Boston would say, oh, you know, they, they can't can't break the bank for a rental like Chris Kreider, but in Sod's case, maybe they can talk themselves into it, you know, giving up their first-round pick, giving up, you know, whatever prospect they have, Um because Sot has another year available where they feel like he isn't going to be a rental, so maybe they're, they're, they're willing to, to, to pay a decent price for it. But unless something like that comes up, I, th- I think it would be doubtful Sot is, is moved. Um, you know, but it only takes one team. I, the, the Blackhawks aren't just going to give him away. Somebody's going to have to be motivated to get Brandon Saad is the impression I get. But, yeah, I mean, Gustafson, you know, he makes a ton of sense for Vegas. They don't have a lot of cap space. They need a puck-moving defenseman. I think that's a a good fit. Uh, You mentioned Colorado could potentially use a goaltender, but they could use some forward help as well. Um, 
Carolina needs goaltending and defense help. Um, so, you know, maybe that's another fit. Uh, if they can't get – my guess is Carolina would prefer to get a more of a stay-at-home defenseman and, um, you know, potentially somebody with term and not just a rental. But if they can't swing a deal like that, uh, you know, I wonder if they would look at Gustafson as a kind of a fallback option where, you know, maybe we could package Gustafson and a goalie together um, would be enough to entice Carolina into a deal. They're a team that has two first-round picks. They have, I want to say it's Toronto's first-round pick. Yeah. So, you know, maybe the combination of Gustafson and be it Crawford or Leonard uh, is enough to motivate them to give up, you know, a first-round pick and a prospect. Uh, although they're a team that tends to not want to give up tons of stuff for rentals, but we'll see. They, they, they may be motivated to do so, or, and maybe it's the sort of thing where um, it becomes a conditional pick dependent <laughs> on whether they make the playoffs because – you know, a couple of weeks ago, they were in prime position to make the playoffs, and since Dougie Hamilton got hurt, uh, their defense has kind of fallen apart, <laughs> and uh, they're they're kind of on the brink of missing out now. So that would could either motivate them to potentially overpay, or maybe they that could potentially motivate them to not overpay. So it's just it, it, you really can't guess on the mood sometimes. But yeah, I mean those are the, those are the two big pieces. You got Gustafson, you've got the goalies. Um, I, I know that they would be hesitant to move both, mm-hmm. but honestly, at this point, I don't think it would hurt. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, if Colorado and Carolina, or you know, I, I've heard some rumblings that maybe Philadelphia is looking. What's the difference at this point? You could still re-sign one of them. Yeah. Um, you know, and obviously Crawford has the 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 partial no trade, so you, you got to work through that stuff. But um, yeah, I just I would consider yeah, just moving both. Go a little Colin Colin Delia action. Let's see what he's doing. Right. Well, because you know, in the situation where they would move both, the assumption would be that one one of them ends up in Carolina. Mm-hmm. And in order for one of them to end up in Carolina, Carolina would have to send a goalie back. Okay. Um, uh, they have both of their goalies are healthy, and both of them are actually signed through next year, um, both Reimer and Mrazek. Uh, so they wouldn't e- even if they're getting a rental, they're not going to carry three goalies at you know each making more than three million dollars. They just they can't do that. So if you send one to them. They're going to send somebody back, and that and that if you if you do end up doing kind of a, a rebuild, retool, or whatever, and you have to take Peter Morazic back, he would he could potentially be your stopgap goalie for next year as well. Yeah, I mean you wouldn't necessarily even have to re-sign Crawford or or Leonard. So yeah, it's it's interesting, you know, especially with this latest wrinkle of Robin Leonard playing like garbage. Yeah, <laughs> um, not not an opportune time if we're trying to maximize his trade value, but maybe that brings his salary demands down. I don't know. So it, it's just gonna it's a, I'm I'm very interested to see how this ends up working out, and 
you know, just how willing the Blackhawks are going to be to move anybody beyond those three. Yep. Well, I guess we will, in our next episode, we will give you a breakdown of all the moves that will be made because our next podcast will be about, it looks like I'm looking at the schedule. Actually, it's a good uh, Wednesday. transition. Yeah, so it'll be Wednesday. So it'll be post-deadline, so we'll be able to break it all down. But I guess since I mentioned the Blackhawks schedule, uh, let's go into the schedule this week and... Boy, it is a brutal schedule. So, even if they had won these games, it wouldn't have looked much easier going into these. But uh, the first game is uh, Friday. We're recording this on Thursday. So, this will podcast will be out the day of this game. Uh, they're at home against Nashville. It is a 7.30 start. And Nashville has been playing better of late. And uh, it's just a tough matchup, you know. They're going for the playoffs. They're in much better playoff position, so they will be motivated, but you never know. And then uh, Sunday they play a 2 p.m. Chicago start. So that's it's on the road, but they're in Dallas. Again, close to the top of the Central Division. Very tough opponent in Dallas. And then they get another day off, and Tuesday... They go to St. Louis to take on the defending champs at 7 p.m. So these are three very difficult games on the schedule. So right, it's it's interesting. You you come out of the trade deadline when an, presumably the Blackhawks will be a weaker team, and their reward will immediately be to go travel to St. Louis and take on the top team. <laughs> yeah. So. That could be an ugly contest. Although I guess they're technically tied with Dallas right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And even Colorado's right there with a game in hand against them. So that that three-way battle at the top of the Western Conference, well, top of the Central Division and Western Conference, I guess you could say, um, is is pretty fascinating. Um, I, I personally think Colorado is the best, is in the best situation of those three. Um as far as they're the team with the cap space and the ammunition to, to make additions if they want. Um, but they are also currently very beset by injuries. Uh, Rontanen's out. Uh, Grubauer's out. Uh, I want to say there's... I think they've got two other forwards that are out. So, you know, they're hanging with the Blues and the Stars, but... Um, you know, it's been tough for them to stay quite as consistent as those two teams just just because of the amount of time some of their guys have missed. But like I said, they've got the ammunition to kind of patch those holes, and I'm, I'm very curious how aggressive they're going to be because they could be super aggressive. They could add multiple pieces if they want to. But, you know, we'll see if Sackick is uh, uh, of the mindset to – to, to be aggressive or if he kind of views them as a you know a long term wants to maximize the number of years since they're kind of just starting into you know they kind of had their their breakthrough mm-hmm. last year and you know they could be a team like Tam- Tampa Bay that's competitive for a long time and can set themselves up and you know but at the same time you know you wonder if there's a little concern that 
you know, Tampa Bay hasn't won a, a Stanley Cup yeah. yet, although I'd say they're probably, in my mind, Tampa Bay is the team to beat this year. I know they got swept last year in the first round, but I think they're actually a better team this year. And I just, I, to me, Tampa, they're experienced, they're mm-hmm. talented, they're deep, they're fast, they're, they're everything. That's, that's the team to beat for me. Ooh, and also, by the way, who the Blackhawks play after this week, their, their next game after this week is at Tampa Bay. Oh, awesome. I didn't even realize that. So, but, oh, yeah, so you go you go play the best team in the Western Conference yeah. on Tuesday, and then you go play potentially the best team in the Eastern Conference on Thursday. We, that's, yeah. that's awesome. You know, it's funny. I'm looking at the schedule. This will be our last, my last little thing. But, my God, this month of February was just brutal. It's a brutal schedule. I brutal. That, that they had three games at home the whole month. Yeah. And the rest of them, but they were playing in, you know, all playoff teams basically the whole time. They end it with a road trip to Dallas, St. Louis, Tampa Bay, and Florida. I mean, it's like, wow. Yeah. Yeah, so not only three, did they only have three home games, but they also had three sets of back-to-backs. Um, you know, and even in these final two weeks of the month where they don't have any back-to-backs, you know, it was starting yesterday – they play every other day for a week and a half. So even on those, that you know, you you did you don't you don't have the couple of days off to even get practices or rests or anything in. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they come out next week out of the trade deadline with you know perhaps a couple of guys coming up from Rockford to fill in holes and just you know like I said the Blues and Tampa coming out. Yeah, but hey, you know, once we get past the trade deadline next week, we can kind of talk about that. Mm -hmm. Then perhaps the following week after they get blown out by those teams, we can start talking draft. And if they're if they're starting to get blown away by these teams, they're just going to start climbing up them uh, in the in the draft rank or in the draft order. Yep. And I I think I looked yesterday or whatever even after they lost to the rangers and um i think they're currently the seventh worst record Mm -hmm. so they are they are actually already in a pretty good spot and they're actually closer to to the third worst record in the league than they are to a playoff spot at this point (laughs) Um, on that happy note (laughs) i am sth85 on twitter michael mj underscore Ernst. you can uh, subscribe to the podcast on the Apple Podcast app, and if you want to rate and review the podcast, that that'd be cool because we could always use some feedback on how we're doing. But um, yeah, we're gonna be with these guys till the bitter end through the through the season. It's not might not be that fun, but you know what? It's still hockey, and we'll still get to watch. So I'll still enjoy it. Yep, they'll maybe they'll win some games. Who knows? Maybe they'll beat Tampa Bay or St. Louis, and that'll be fun, even if it yeah. doesn't matter for the season. But uh, yeah, that's where we are, and I guess long live the Blackhawks season. Oh, hey, and I think it's probably appropriate, given the the, uh, the 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 name of our podcast. Forgot to mention uh, during yesterday's game, the emergency goaltender was Scott Foster. Oh, cool. Yes, so. Obviously wasn't needed. Probably could have done as well as Leonard did in the game, but, you know, who knows. 
Yeah, they probably should have thrown him in in the last uh, couple <laughs> minutes of the game, but. Would have given us something to cheer for anyway. That's right. All right. Well, thank you as always, everyone, for listening.